Welcome to Exploring Arizona Life Science Research and Biodiversity with the Tree of Life Web Project. This episode is on farmers markets, growing community around local food and conservation issues. Visit podcasts.tolweb.org to view a learning resource to accompany this page. Please peruse the treehouse that goes with this episode as you listen, as it contains images of the people and organisms that are featured in the podcast. From our Toll Podcast page, you can also contact me, Lisa Schwartz, with questions and comments. Farmers markets are great places to get connected to your local natural environment and other people in your community. On almost any day of the week, you can visit a Tucson area farmers market to pick up some delicious produce, learn about cultural and biological diversity, as well as meet some inspiring people working for environmental and human health. I recently visited the Rincon Valley Farmers Market, which is held on Saturdays in Vail, Arizona, and the University of Arizona Farmers Market, which is held on Fridays on the U of A campus. The aroma of roasting green chilies from Hatch, New Mexico, pervaded the air as I spoke to the founders, managers, growers, and locals who make the Rincon Valley Farmers Market a great place to eat and grow community. I first spoke to Michelle Zimmerman of the Rincon Institute and Yarrow, the market manager. They explained that Molly Eaglin opened the market in 2001 as a project of the Rincon Institute, a nonprofit that works to integrate community and conservation. Farmers Market and is a project of the Rincon Institute. When Molly Eaglin wanted to get it started, she went to the folks that own the barn and said, you know, I want to be a nonprofit. I want to work closely with the Rincon Institute because they promote community gathering and community building and environmental um, protection and conservation and it seemed to fit with the mission um, of the barn, wanting to promote local produce and local goods and community. So it was a nice match. It's an opportunity for the farmer's market to function as a nonprofit. So what's your favorite thing to eat at the market? Green chilies. <laughs> Actually, Ava's Mexican food. Next, as I munched on an impromptu meal of homemade tortillas with green chili, I spoke to Den Hensel, founder of Wild Desert Nursery, a refuge for plants that have been rescued from planned developments before the land is graded. Deb founded the nursery in response to seeing the neighborhoods right around where she lives getting developed and beautiful, slow-growing, and drought-tolerant native plants being destroyed. Yes, I work with the local developers um, before subdivisions put in. I go out and rescue as many of the natives as we can. Uh, mostly new developments, places where they've done mass grading and then they build these developments and they put in a minimum landscape package. Mm -hmm then what I'll do is sell back a lot of the plants I've salvaged from their development. Awesome. So you're recreating the Sonoran Desert after it's been both Yeah. <laughs> um, every time we do a salvage, it's kind of like a, a scavenger hunt. We never know what we're going to get. But I have to do an inventory prior to going to the state to apply for the tag. Mainly we uh, salvage ocotillos, barrels, saguaros, prickly pears hedgehogs, things like that. They saved over 500 ocotillos alone. Wow. And, and do you think, in terms of the diversity of the original and the integrity of the original habitat, what do you think? Is it um, I, I think as long as people stick to planting natives, we're going to be okay. But unfortunately, there's a lot of non-natives that are being brought in. And they require so much water. Yeah. yeah. And that's one thing I really specialize. Everything is drought tolerant. Right, even if it's a non-native. Farmer Leo Dunitz grows apples and other fruits and veggies on his Big D farm in Cochise, Arizona. He offered me an apple to munch on while we talked about working with desert soil. And then actually build the soil little by little 
each year with uh, with cover crops, compost, whatever you can get that will break down naturally in the soil to, to build it up. And in a hot desert climate, you need more material that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of woody material, not solid wood, but kind of woody, that will break down slow so you'll have a constant supply of nutrients for whatever crops you put in. We also discussed the spectacular beauty of the land where he lives and works. You know. Well, you live in a beautiful area right now. That's oh. one of my favorite places. I've, I've died and gone to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> and still walking around. That's wonderful. And I'm going to be 81 Wednesday. Wow. Like Deb of Wild Desert Nursery, Leo stressed the issue of water as a real challenge for the Sonoran Desert and its inhabitants. And he is working on ways to conserve both water and energy resources. Well, the water is the biggest problem because of the cost of pumping it out of the ground. Right. And, and what they're overlooking is the value of that water. If, if we keep pumping too much out of the ground, what's going to happen down the road? See, that's what yeah. nobody knows uh, the exact debt we're going to be in in that water situation. You get all your water from, um, where do you get your water? The water from? comes right out of the ground. Yeah. And uh, the well that was too big that they put in there, but I got to live with it. Yeah. Because we don't want to change it right now. I've discussed it with my son, and yeah. that that well is producing 400 gallons a minute when we need 20 to 40 gallons a minute. Wow. So they and so we got a big tank there, and when we, when that's full, we just shut it off, you yeah. know, until the pressure drops down, and then then we turn it back on again. But that's not the most efficient way to do it. And, 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 and I'm going to be studying with a neighbor uh, all the things we can study about uh, solar, what's available today, what's practical to use, and can you use it and everything. And this spring, I look forward to returning to the market to find out what Leo has learned about solar energy. This fall, I was delighted to find out that the University of Arizona now has a weekly farmer's market that's part of the UA's Well University Partnership. The UA Farmers Market's mission is to promote a culture of health and wellness on campus. Gail Welter, coordinator of the Farmers Market and a nutrition counselor with Campus Health Service says, the market is about education, the key mission of our land-grant institution. The university community can learn more about field-to-plate eating, sustainability of our resources, and simple, convenient changes they can make in their daily lives to feel more energized and be healthier. At the market, I bought some organically grown apples and talked with Natalie McGee. I am a social worker and I graduated from the University of Arizona in 1964 as a social worker. Natalie makes and sells prickly pear syrup at the market. She has been working for years to make people aware of how eating the Sonoran Desert food may help one avoid diabetes or, if already affected by the disease, how one might be able to regulate their blood sugar. We talked about Natalie's belief in the use of prickly pear syrup for helping to combat the high incidence of diabetes in indigenous communities of the Southwest. Overall, the community spirit and connection to place that emanates from these markets make them spots that you don't want to miss visiting. Many thanks to all of those that were involved in this production, and we hope that everyone gets to visit a farmer's market soon. Please visit podcasts dot so you can leave us some feedback on our blog site or through a survey.